Let us pray. Gracious loving God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for this chance to hear your word once again. Um, God, guide us that we may be faithful servants of you. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. It is barely, but good evening, friends, and welcome uh, to a slightly out-of-sync episode of Scripture Talk, the podcast where we, at least theoretically, do the thing we claim to do, which is talk about Scripture. Um, I am Pastor Trey Comstock. With me, as ever, is, welcome back, Sister Brandy Dudley. And, and Pastor Scott Ketchot. Uh, we are doing this slightly out of sync because I am on the road tomorrow um, and would not be able to do on and, the road again. No. Well, yeah. actually, this time is for Trail this time is for fun. Yeah. Take again. the phone and turn it off. Yeah, I'm probably not going to do that part, but um, I am actually going on legitimately on vacation um, for I have not. So Friday was my first day off in a month. I did this math. I had been saying three weeks, and that was a lie. I had had no days off since the weekend before uh, before Valentine's Day. Uh-huh. Um, and so, um, yeah, I'm going on vacation for a week, or for five days. Give him um, applause. Yeah, no, we'll we'll have to send him random texts that just say something along the lines of, stop that, go have fun. Yeah, no, yeah, stop that, go have fun. So I do have to watch the Bishop's live stream on Thursday, um, but that is more because... It's, it's not going to teach me anything I don't know other than what he's going to say about it. Yeah. Um, we were, I was like, oh, are we going to, I guess I'm promoting it here. Our bishop is doing a live stream about the future of the Methodist Church. But friends who are listening, don't worry. We're going to do our own live stream about the future of the Methodist Church that is brought to you by me. Um, and I can explain it in a way that humans can hear um, and that you don't need a degree in Methodist polity to understand. So, so that those that watch the one by the bishop... Stand by because there will be a translation done. Yeah, by right. Craig. Yeah, there'll be a translation by me. So okay. for some reason, you find yourself on a if random. If you want the bishop KJV, he's also doing it uh, on St. Patty's Day, and so I'll just so, see. Yeah, that kind of hit some of our family stuff. So yeah. Anyways, um, I'm going on vacation. That's why this uh, scripture talk is what it is. I appreciate y'all being flexible. Um, That said, our scripture this evening um, is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 13. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized in the sea into Moses, in the cloud, and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, and they were struck down in the wilderness. Now, these things occurred as examples for us, so that we may not desire evil as they did. Do not become idolaters, as some of them did. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. They must not indulge in sexual immorality, as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents. And do not complain, as some of them did, <laughs> and were destroyed, destroyed by the destroyer. These things happened to them to serve as an example, and they were written down to instruct us on whom the ends of the ages have come. So if you think you are standing, watch out that you do not fall. No testing has overtaken you that is not uncommon to everyone. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tested beyond your strength. But with the testing, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. 
I, I love this because it is like, this is, you know, don't be like this, as some of them did. Do not do this, as also happened, right? So there is this, this is using the analogy of the Exodus, right? Using the analogy of the time of the wilderness to describe what it is to be a Christian. And it is this challenge to don't be like them. Don't um, let God work in you. Don't be recalcitrant. Don't be resistant to it because when we let God in, it goes better. When we don't let God God in, it goes worse. And the ability out of these quagmires are totally within our power, right? It's rely on God. It's, you know, don't fall into the traps that are before us. There is nothing innate to us that says we have to turn into a trap other than when we take our eye off of God. You know, um, as you were reading it, I, I kept, we've cracked the joke before, uh, certain scriptures just beg to have a Ron Howard voiceover. Yes. <laughs> this is one of those. We're not going to fail you, God. They did. They did. And we're, we're not going to be, t- we're not going to be tempted. T- we're not going to be tempted this time. They, they were. were. <laughs> and, and what's going on here with these examples, especially in the context of giving to the Corinthians, you know, you just because you have certain spiritual blessings and things going on doesn't mean that you can't slip up enough right. and totally miss it out. I mean, ergo the, you know, having been through the cloud, you know, the very glory of God right. in a cloud by the day and fire well, by they've night. Seen, they've seen one heck of a, they've seen one, one heck of a display of, div, of divine power, yeah. right? Yeah, multiple times brought through the water. You know, yeah. the, you've got the parting of the Red Sea. And then what I think is the biggest understatement in all of Scripture, most displeased. Yes. <laughs> most. Okay, only two made it into the promised land. Only two in that little example of Exodus. Right. You had uh, um, Joshua and uh, Caleb. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, but what he's pointing out here is that that doesn't have to be what happens. Right. Because even in their scenario, they all had a way, but they chose to ignore what was the faith in God and what was there. I see this like an instruction booklet. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. if you do this, this will happen to you. But I also see in my brain that commercial, remember that commercial of the frying pan? This is your brain. This is your brain. Yeah. 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 This is your brain on drugs. So this is you. This is your, this you. Is your if you, get, if you mess up with God, any questions? You know? Yeah. Well, and it is, you know, temptation is not your destiny, right? You Yay. are going, I, I love this line. There's a line in there that is like, look. You are not being tested in the way that anyone else. Your your testing it's is no different. It's common to it's man. It's common yes. to everybody, right? That you think, because we all kind of live in our heads, we all think we're the hero of our own story. And so you may suspect, no one has ever been tested like me. And, and, and you hear this, mm-hmm. you know, often in people with psychological distress, right? Like, oh, oh, no one has ever felt this way. And you have to find the nice way. And, and here, Paul is not necessarily finding the nice way. He's mm-hmm. not always particularly pleased with the Corinthians. And so he's being fairly blunt with them. Um, but it's like, no, you fools. This is just, so the way the human brain is wired is there's just a pain buffer, right? You can claim no one has ever felt that way. There's just a maximum amount that any human can experience pain, in which case it's just spillover, right? Like there's not, at some point those pain, those receptors are overloaded and you're just, you've run out. And so they're actually, to a certain extent, 
people have felt that way before because there's just a maximum amount of pain that humans feel. Yeah. And it's, you know, it can be brought on by small things or big, you know, how those things are brought on is, is interesting and important and, and your feelings matter uh, to me and to God. But this thing that's like that Paul lays bare is also psychologically true, right? Oh, you think, you think, you think no one has ever been tested the way I've been tested. It's just not true. That's just not true. And, and you know, it's, it's one of those ways in which um, the enemy and our own self uh, likes to pull us away from yeah. those that give us support. You know, we start thinking, no, you don't understand where I'm coming from. You can't get what we've done. And okay, one, that's not true. There's humans that have been through maybe not the exact situation, but they've been through similar and have been through uh, a lot of bad things. And then... It, scripture tells us that Christ himself right. know, understands and has been there. And so we have that dual. You know, you've got Christ himself who understands. and then Who has have, been tested in this way. Yeah. Right. And then you have fellow Christians that are there to support you. And so it's just this lie to get you separated away so that you're easy to snipe off. Yeah, we had Christ as our greatest example to show that he suffered, we, yeah. we had suffered. He was tempted, we get tempted. We're not exempt from the trials of life. So we have Christ to get us out of the situation that we may get ourselves into. Well, and this goes back to a sermon from a couple of weeks ago um, where we talked about the idea that part of the story of the temptation of Christ is to show what's possible. Mm-hmm. Right? And this is this is going to be a theme throughout this series, right? Because the series is called Already Accomplished, right? So this is the things that Christ has already done. We tell the story new each year because, you know, look, um, we got to, you know, you, we live the story. But the truth is, is Christ already died and Christ already rose. Spoilers for Easter. Um, oh, man. And, yeah. oh, right. Gosh, it keeps happening. Um, and so this power to overcome is already in the world, right? And that's Christ's life does not exist to show us what is impossible for us. It is to show us what is impossible for us without God. But here's the good news. This is the literal capital G, capital N, good news. We do have God. We do have that support. We do have that power to carry us forward. And so just as Christ was not tempted, we do not have to be tempted. We can be stronger than that. Mm-hmm. The question is, which is, you know, again, says the core of the series, is whose strength are we going to rely on? Whose accomplishments are we going to tie ourselves to? Are we going to tie ourselves to our own accomplishments, which are, you know, um, hit and miss, to say the least? Or are we going to tie ourselves to he, he who defeated death, even death itself, to show you what is possible? Even if we do fall into temptation. I like that part where it says he would give us a way of escape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, the bell will ring, ding, 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 you're out of there. So I like that part. Of we He does understand we have moments where we will mess up and fall into it, but he can pull us out. Pull us out and also give us and also give us the power to resist in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- th- there's always an escape uh, route, so to speak, uh, of avoiding the temptation. Uh, you know, re- resist the devil and he shall flee. Um, just say no. You know, call right. out to him for help. Lord, help, give me strength. Guess what? He will. It's not like he's going to, you know, it says he's not going to give you more than you can handle with his strength. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the important thing to understand. Some people tend to take that of, man, this is so more than I can handle. Well, oh. yes, he. we consistently get more than we can handle with, in on our, our own, own strength. But it's that with him, through Christ, who strengthens me. Right. And so that's what's going on here. And so this already accomplished, what's already accomplished in this scenario is the fact that there's already a way to, you know, 
bypass it, you know, and I don't know why I just thought of this, but like when you're going uh, from here traveling east, you know, I used to go back to Biloxi, Mississippi. If I take Interstate 10, you know, it, for those that may be familiar with the area, it stinks driving through New Orleans. Mm hmm. And other people realize that. So Interstate 12 literally yes. exists as it's a, a bypass, bypass so you don't have to take New Orleans. Down. Yeah. And that's what mm -hmm. God does. He lets us bypass uh, uh, things if we pay attention and take that exit or, you know. Well, and I think that pay the, pay the attention pay attention part is essential, yeah. right? That there is, you know, anytime we're talking in Lent, there's always going to be this idea that we need to be taking our faith life seriously, getting mm -hmm. to know God, and in that way be able to um, avoid the problems, right? To see the way out, the, the way out of the situation that we have, that we cert and this is also part of Scripture, right? Mm -hmm. Part of Scripture shows us both negative examples, as this one highlights, and also positive examples. You look at people like um, Daniel and his friends um, later in the Old Testament. Uh, where you're looking at during the exile, where they are under tremendous pressure, not just from like being stuck in the desert, but from like a you know hostile government that they're living amongst, that like you know a discipleship is really dangerous, and yet they overcome. Right? This is Daniel. This is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is Esther. In some ways, this is way earlier. This is Joseph. Right? One of the, if you look at the heroes of the Old Testament, of which there are not that many. Right. There's a lot of like people who are complicated. Right. Abraham is complicated. Mm -hmm. um, uh, even uh, David is complicated. But if you look at the uncomplicated figures, it is Joseph. It is Esther. It is Ruth. It is Daniel. It is Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, mm -hmm. um, who are essentially for the purpose of the story, one person. Um, they are all people who went under tremendous pressure. From outside, right? Um, Joseph with Pharaoh, um, Esther with the king, um, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, with, <laughs> with Nebuchadnezzar. Um, all of the, Ruth with her entire people, right? Mm -hmm. Ruth the Moabite. Um, all of them are able to withstand the temptation to let go, to give up. From one way or another, right? Esther, it is, she steps up and saves her people. Um, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is, they stay faithful. Mm -hmm. Ruth, it is, she chooses God over her people. Uh, Joseph, it is, again, he stays faithful and, you know, does not give up um, and does not let the whatever of Pharaoh's court get in his way. You look at these heroes, it is this ability, um, unlike the people in the exile, um, they do not fall away. When the, and for some of them, like you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, yeah. um, are literally on fire, right? They they are in a burning furnace. Those yeah. boys are on fire, but I, they held true to their. But faith. they held true, <laughs> yes. right? They weren't going to bow down to that statue when they heard the horn blow. So go, yeah, go ahead, put them in there. But then they turn up the heat, burn up the soldiers and stuff. You know what's interesting in that? Oftentimes we like to go into situations where like, well. God, God's going to save me and all of that. And when it doesn't happen, it's a struggle of our faith. Uh -huh. Yeah. But when you look at what they said, you know, our God is able to save us. Mm -hmm. And if he and does right, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Right. We will still never bow. Their no, this faith is, remains strong. Like, they get the point, right? And like, yeah. you know, when you end up in those dicey situations. Even if he doesn't. Right. And then this is, you know, this is, in some ways, this is Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, too. Yeah. Um, there is this element of, um, 
we should value life because it's a gift from God, but we should not value life too much. Mm-hmm. Right? That is, sometimes God will save you by delivering you from the danger. Sometimes God will save you by welcoming you home. Mm-hmm. Those are equal. In the eyes of God, I'm pretty sure, those two things are equal. Mm-hmm. They are both saving you, uh, just in different ways. And so, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get that. That it is not necessarily that they're going to come out of this okay. And you get that sense from Daniel too. That like, yeah, maybe the lion's going to eat me. Maybe it's not going to eat me. Maybe that's not that big a deal. Maybe because I know I'm doing what God needs me to do. One way or another, God is going to take care of me. Right? This is where Christ reaches, right? Like, you're not my will, but your will be done. Yeah, no. And, and, and Christ knows exactly what's going to happen. Yo, this is going to hurt. Uh, this is going to hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. Do I really have to do this? You sure about this? Do I really? Oh, I do. Okay. Oh, this is going to hurt. Let's do this. Though. And then he goes and he's able to overcome because he faces, you know, that there are, two, in some ways, there are two temptations of Christ. Right? There is the thing in Luke, whatever that was, chapter four, four, mm-hmm. three is baptism, four is temptation. Mm-hmm. There we go. Preaching this recently. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of scriptures. Friends, well, Luke chapter four, right? is the capital T, capital T, the temptation of Christ. But honestly, so is the Garden of Gethsemane. We don't call it that. But he's also tempted again. He's tempted to say, hey, do I really have to do this? And what he comes back to is, huh, I really do have to do this. Okay. And he does it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's awful what it goes through. uh, But he willingly does it because he looks at that and he lives up to the temptation. Like, I think what Paul is pointing out is temptation is not destiny. Right? You don't have to give in to the temptation. You have resources available to you. If you sit there, I don't know, I'm going to be tempted. Oh, I'm going to be tempted. Uh-huh. Are you creating excuses? This idea of race car driver excuses. So you listen to race car drivers right before a race. They're going to talk to you about everything that's wrong. Right? You know, the, the tires, you know, they're not going to be right on this track. Our car is not great for this track. Yeah, I'm just worried about our engine performance, you know. And so they're setting up the excuses for when they don't succeed. They have, oh, you know, I said it was going to be our engine. And, you know, we weren't really sure if our tires were going to work. It's, you know, this is God saying, you do not get to enter into situations of temptation with race car driver excuses. Right. You don't don't have an excuse the power to overcome it is there for you the question is not is the power going to be there the question is what are you going to do with that power mm-hmm. and i think it's fair to mention when looking at the context of all of first corinthians there's also this aspect of being tempted to do something for your own self yeah. over the benefit of others i mean you've got earlier in this he's talking to the corinthians about you know uh, eating food sacrificed to idols and all this other stuff about hey just because you have a freedom in something, if it's a stumbling block to someone else, don't overexercise your own freedom. In this particular one, he's hitting script, uh, spiritual immoralities. And so there's this, yeah, there's that to temptation, but it isn't just a temptation to do evil, as we were mentioning right. yeah, with yeah. Uh, the Jesus thing. Sometimes it's good things. And sometimes it's just a temptation to realize I may be okay to do this, but if it's difficult or causing someone else not to experience the grace of God, maybe we should refrain from it. Right. That it is that we want to often reduce the universe into yes, do this. No, don't do that. Mm -hmm. Right. We want that. And if you look at, it'd be easier. Yeah. When you look at theology that sells, (laughs) right. Often theology of sells is do whatever you want. No, we got to be challenged sometime. Right. But it is, you know, I think about the Methodist Church's history with the use of alcohol, right? Um, and it's one of those, like, really, like, 
complicated things because at some point we got really into the temperance movement and part of why you know prohibition happens is because of the work of the united methodist women at that point i think they were called the you know the methodist women's auxiliary but if you want anyone to blame for temperance it's the umw um so the umw helped make temperance out it's also where uh well it's grape juice come from right, right. that is um um uh Sorry. Um, it is where Welch's grape juice came from. Um, but, like, you think about it, and so at some point we just said, um, uh, uh, we said a hard no, right? No alcohol. You know, just drinking alcohol is drunkenness. There, it's going to be awful. And then you take a step back and go, now, wait a minute, right? All the people in the Bible are drinking. Mm-hmm. So there can't, there is certainly biblical provision against drunkenness, and, and certainly. Um, a, a, a drunkenness was a problem, um, but that's not all drinking. And so it, it creates this, like, we want this, like, yes, drinking, no drinking. And the truth is, is is far more, as with a lot of things, it's far more great than that. Uh, I also think about Bonhoeffer's ethics, right? So Bonhoeffer, as we've talked about a lot on this yeah. show, um, tries to kill Hitler. Now, that's interesting. Because the Bible says don't kill anybody. Mm-hmm. But then also in the Bible, a lot of people kill other people. And sometimes it seems to be that God wants them to do it. Um, and sometimes death is probably the only thing that's going to stop Hitler. What are you going to do? Arrest Hitler? No, I don't think so. Um, so it is It is not even no murder, yes murder. It's far more complicated than that. Um, and so we want... Instead of relying on God for our wisdom, we want to rely on easy pneumatics. That is, oh, we definitely should never kill anybody. What if that person is Hitler? What if that person is Hitler? Do you not kill Hitler if you have the chance? To which I would say, the most Christian thing you could possibly do is kill Hitler, but I'm Bonhoeffer scholar, so of course they would say that. <laughs> right, so let's think about lying for a second, right? Um if you are at a hostile border, this is a relevant uh, thing, you're at a hostile border checkpoint. You're smuggling in needed supplies that will save or help a lot of lives. They ask you, what's in your suitcase? What do you do? I'm about to tell them something other than the truth to get, to get this done. <laughs> exactly. And so that's where it is. It is not just fall back. Well, we should never tell a lie. Well, shoot, dude, you're going to a Mexican prison then. Have fun. Mm-hmm. And the people aren't going to get the supplies they need. Yeah, honestly, uh, Rahab, who, uh-huh. poor thing, uh, referred to throughout eternity. Rahab, Rahab comma, the prostitute. The, the prostitute. Yeah. And yet she is in the list of faithful uh-huh. because of what she did. Uh-huh. Which, which was lie. Was lie. Yep. And that... That always hair lips me because it's like, but, but even scripture talks about the end not justifying the means all the time. All the, the time. All the time. And so all the more reason that it's so very important for us to be sensitive to the spirit and the moving uh-huh. of God and uh-huh. to know what scripture says as a whole, as a whole, not just this verse and that verse. But you can make verse. any one verse of scripture say literally yes. anything, right? Again, as I say often, the the Ku Klux Klan thinks of themselves as a Christian based organization, based on that, one. based on slaves obey your masters. There you go, right? In First Peter, yeah. right? Yeah. First Peter two and three, where it talks about it's also wives obey your husbands. It's also that's a lot of things, and that is not what that women means. should not speak in the church. You know, yeah. 
Right, but that's the one that, you know, we talked about this in the marriage series, but this is where you, you can't get overly attached to when scripture simply describes what Roman society is. So in Roman society, there were slaves. Scripture is not saying, well, it's really good that there are slaves. That was actually a reasonable goofy. I don't always get there. Uh, of course. Scripture sure does say there sure are slaves. And there are, because they're just, that is just, just a fact of life in first century Rome was there were slaves. That's not scripture saying there should be slaves. In fact, in you know, if you re- actually read Philemon, it's not long. You can read the whole thing in a minute. Um, it is actually saying as Christians, we are equal uh, to yeah. no matter what someone's place in society is, we're actually equal as Christian brothers and sisters. Gorge. Um, and so the scripture really doesn't seem to think that it's great that there is there are slaves. It's just the fact that there are slaves. Um, so you, as you like use scripture as a guide, be careful for when scripture is describing Roman society and when scripture is describing the ideal world, because those two things are not the, well, scripture said it. Yeah. Scripture describes a lot of things. Yeah. You've got David who committed murder, called a man after God's own heart. That doesn't mean to please God, we should run and murder people. Look at the whole story. Right. Look at the whole story. <laughs> And take scripture to whole and others to understand that we follow a living God. Yeah. Right. That scripture, reading scripture as a whole, holistically mm-hmm. helps you because you see people take diametrically opposed actions and are considered godly. Right. Let's think about like, or ungodly. Right. So let's look mm-hmm. at Rahab and Abraham. Right. Um, Abraham continually pimps out his wife to get by in society, and God considers that a problem. Rahab lies to get by in society because it's what was needed at the time and is considered godly, ends up in the list with list of you know Christ's ancestors, right? Um, what's the difference between Rahab and Abraham? It's what God needed them to do at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not just the action. To just look at the action is a preschool version of Christian morality that says always this, never this. Well, then what about like the book of Joshua where God says go in and says kill all the people. And Joshua goes, are you sure? And God says definitely kill all the people. Okay, great. So then also, but the law handed down to Moses not that long ago. Thou shalt shalt not kill. kill. This is really complicated, God. Maybe I should listen to you and see how you are speaking to me through scripture. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where you get into that. Is it kill? Is it murder? All of that. And it really, I think, reflects onto what we had in our Philippians things about where your citizenship is and understanding where you come from and what type of mindset you need to have and it's not ours it's a godly one that sees a much larger picture than we can uh i think about uh the example uh we were talking with someone not that long ago um about Laura when she was real little uh we just walked down to the park she had this habit of running up ahead and we tell her not to do that because well, there was this hedge of shrubs. She couldn't see it past, and there was cars yeah. coming, and so you wouldn't always see. And we constantly tell her not to do that because she can't see around the hedge. And uh, Joe, in one of those walks with her, uh, you know, was sharing with me how uh, God stopped her and said, you know, y'all are like that for me. Yeah, You want to keep running up ahead and wonder why I tell you to see things. It's because you can't see past the hedge, and I can. Mm-hmm. And... It comes back to listening yeah. and listening in detail. Right. 
because the thing you are called upon to do may not fit with what you think following Christ looks like. Right? You go back to that temptation of Christ. Is it really so bad to ask God for food? It is when you're supposed to be fasting. <laughs> no, but in other times, you know, I, I think we've all had those moments where like, you know, you're running low and you're like, God, I, I think I, I'm following your purpose. Uh, can you provide? Uh, and then God does provide and, 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 you're, and you're thankful, right? When we make it, when we make it about black and white rules that we can put on a classroom wall, like we're kindergartners, rather than adult followers of a living God, it all gets more complicated and comes to being about relationship with God and understanding what does God need me to do in this moment? And, and that is what is moral, right? It's not, this is not relativism, right? Because there's a fixed point. The fixed point, this is not moral. Again, I, I don't, anyone walking out of the show going, Pastor Trey is a moral relativist. Can you spell it? <laughs> no, I'm not a moral relativist. Well, all I'm saying is there is a fixed point. It's God. Yeah. But God may need me to do wildly different things depending on the moment. And so it's God that makes the decision. And so my fixed point, my moral anchor, my one defense, my righteousness is follow God. Right? And beyond that, I'm going to let God sort that out because theoretically God's the one who can. Sometimes you got to do things that don't make any sense for God. Amen to that. That... Right. Seems, that's a good place. That seems as good a place as any to absolutely end this show. Uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us. We'll be back next Monday. We'll be actually back on a normal schedule and hopefully with our full team. Uh, shout out to Stacy, who I think is sleeping, uh, which is a blessing, which may be what I do immediately after the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have any uh, feedback on this show, uh, you can leave a comment um, on our Facebook page, over on our YouTube channel, um, also uh, on our website, uh, palestinegrace.com slash video. You can email us, gracechurchpalestine at gmail.com. If you are looking for an audio-only version of the show, it is available after the fact. Just search Scripture Talk by Grace Church in your podcatcher of, of choice. choice. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll be back next Monday, 6 p.m., same bat, normal bat time, normal bat channel. Um, until that comes, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And fear not, stay well. God is with us. This is Camera 5. Camera 5. With shout outs to the baptism girl Esther today. Whoop, whoop. I'm excited. I gotta cast the replay. I was at work. Yeah, I have to catch it too. I got to see pictures that Joe took. Yeah. Her, her pretty little bonnet. Yeah. <laughs>